Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkleside Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 39th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. It's Magical Creator Week, and I'm very excited to share this week's creators with you. If this is your first time listening to the show, on other weeks I usually discuss Magical Girl news and what I've been consuming, but we skip that on these weeks to get right down into celebrating the awesome creators who make Magical Girl series. So uh, remember to come back on Friday for another great chat with two creators of a webcomic that is just so charming and exciting. Today's guest is a big one to me. If you follow the podcast on Twitter, you've already seen the series mentioned, uh, including recently. But we are talking to Brianna Lawrence, also known as Brie GP Tweets. She's a writer over at the Mary Sue, but she's here for writing her own self-published book series, Magnifique Noir, about a group of queer black college girls who become the second generation of a magical girl team. There are two books available so far, and you can buy them directly from Brianna via her Etsy shop, or if you're outside the U.S., you can buy them digitally via Amazon. So we do mention that, but both links will be in the show notes. And yeah, we just had a great talk about rekindling a love of magical girls at a later age and dealing with being a creator during COVID. It's all in all a really fun conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. So here is Brianna Lawrence, also known as Brie Chibi, talking about her series, Magnifique Noir. So today we are going to be talking with another creator of a Magical Girl book series. Can you please introduce yourself? I'm Brianna Lawrence, or Brie Chibi, pronouns she, her. I'm an author, and I also am the fandom editor over at the Mary Sue. Great. And your book series is uh, Magnifique Noir? Yep. So far, there are two books in this series, correct? Yep, there's two books, and then there's two more planned. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Great, great. Okay. So before we get deep into the story of your book, what is your history with the magical girl genre? So I think like a lot of girls, and I don't want to assume, but I think a lot of girls, at least in the US, were introduced via like Sailor Moon, at least mm-hmm. in my age group, because I I'm in my 30s. So I was here when like the giant anime boom hit the 90s. So mm-hmm. The fun thing about that is that they didn't really advertise it as anime. They just kind of put it on TV. And we were just like, okay, cool, what's this? And I remember watching Sailor Moon, and I thought it was really cool because it was the first time I remember seeing any type of media where, like, the main cast was all women. Yeah. It's like an all-girl action team. Like, Power Rangers had, like, two girls or right. like, I mean, X-Men had four, but there was still like, like an equal number of men and women. It was never like an all girls team. So right. that was really exciting. And I was like instantly like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's funny because I always say Sailor Moon, but I did a convention a couple years back and we did a panel on magical girls. And one of the panelists were like, well, I mean, technically there's magical girl stuff in all genres. Like, she was saying how like we had the original Wonder Woman series with like Linda Carter and the way she transforms is she like spins around and gets yeah. a transformation sequence to get to turn into Wonder Woman and she has yeah. like a theme song and she's like that's totally magical girl absolutely that's, that's exactly what agree. happens in the yeah. magical girl genre and I was like oh my god my whole life because I've been watching that since I was like very little because my mom would watch it and. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, you're right. That is a magical girl moment. Like yeah. every time she transforms, it's like spin around in a circle, play the song, outfit appears. And mm. so I would almost say that like Wonder Woman was my first magical girl. 
like sure, form yeah. of media. I just I just didn't know what it was. Like I didn't know the genre had a name. Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew it had a name until like maybe the early two thousands when I started going to conventions and there were yeah. more people to kind of like explain what we were watching this whole time. <laughs> Cause like, <laughs> like like because nothing really had a name until the way they would advertise anime was very aggressive almost like sci-fi channel had an anime block and it was very like this is for adults like like, yeah okay (laughs) oh oh god like i can't tell my parents i'm watching this and then you find out that anime is this whole world of media that Mm. has like a range of things but we didn't know that because all the advertisements were like make sure the kids are in bed (laughs) okay sure yeah that's certainly it's an interesting thing about the way that japanese animation was advertised in the u.s at that time it's very different like before like you said we didn't use that word at the time like i i mean i don't even use the word when i speak in english because for me it's just animation you know they're trying to separate it out by like using the loan word at the time yeah (laughs) Before that, it was just, you know, like animation or just even sometimes Japanimation or whatever, but. Yeah, that's what, that's what we would call it. And yeah, but like they didn't do that like back when it was like Speed Racer. They didn't say, oh, it's Speed Racer anime <laughs> or whatever. Um, it's an interesting choice. I wrote an entire article that was like dedicated to anime I watched and I didn't know it was anime because it was just on TV. Yeah. And like the number of people who were like, yeah, like. They didn't call Voltron anime. They didn't call Ronin Warriors anime. They didn't call like all these other shows, Speed Racer and everything anime. They were just like cartoons that were on TV. Right. And like my mom would try and watch anime with me and she she would just be like, I can't get into it. And I'm like, you used to watch Speed Racer. It's the same thing. And she was <laughs> like, really? Like, yeah, it's the same thing. It just, they never told you. <laughs> they never told you what it was, but that that's exactly what it is. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you're right. Like the way it was advertised at that time definitely was trying to be like, oh, this is not like your kids cartoons or whatever. I know <laughs> a lot of it actually was exactly like our kids cartoons. Yeah. This thing is full of characters dying. Like we know this is yeah. a thing that happens. You don't have to like be scared to tell us that like, <laughs> I guess spoiler, but Piccolo dies, and Vegeta dies, and Goku dies, and like, like we yeah. like the Sailor Scouts. It took me so many years to realize how like hardcore Sailor Moon actually was because mm-hmm. it got censored so much. But I was like sixteen, and I went to the video store, and the guy was just like, "Yeah, they die every season," and I was like, yeah. "No, they don't. They just disappear." She's like, "No, they die." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they. they they die every battle at the end of the season. They all die. And I was like, why couldn't they just, like, tell me that? <laughs> I would have been able to take it. It's fine. It's okay. I would have been fine. Yeah. It's very interesting the way things that uh, change when they bring it to other countries, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me a while to realize that it differed with each country because, like, the, like, censorship and the dubbing for every country is different. Yeah, there are a lot of differences in different language localizations and so on, for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what are some other Magical Girl series that you got into after Sailor Moon? So after Sailor Moon, my wife introduced me to Revolutionary Girl Utsuna, which for some reason, it didn't translate as Magical Girl in my head. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it was just one girl fighting versus like a team. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, this is just a really cool girl fighting. And they're like, that's also Magical Girl. That's another Magical Girl series. Yeah, it's very interesting. I remember that was like the first series where like, it was kind of like trippy. Kind of like, like the themes and the yeah. like story and everything. And like the messages and how you can have different interpretations. And that was like the first anime I remember watching where I felt like, Oh, there's symbolism in the story because there there's a bunch of symbolism in Utsuna. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people's introduction to that is like Evangelion, but mine was Utsuna. Sure. I remember that we watched the movie, which is like, I think it even says like, forget everything you know about the series because the movie is like this whole other thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm along for the ride. And 
I was really into Utena, especially because that was like the first time I saw like a character who was brown in an anime oh, yeah, series, like Auntie, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like I had loved her so much, and so I got really into Utena. I remember watching a lot of Madoka. That was the anime that like messed me up for a while because that one was so like dark, but it also made me go back and look at other Magical Girl series and realize how like messed up some of the stuff was because sure like i remember watching sailor moon i was a kid so i was always like oh my god why doesn't sailor moon go out and fight what does she complain all the time and then i watched like monica and then i was like oh my god these are children fighting like wars <laughs> like, like yeah good grief like please just let sailor moon like rest because you know she's a reincarnated princess and and she's like, hi, I'm 14 <laughs> and I have to save the world today. And I'm like, oh no, that's, mm. oh, <laughs> I just yeah, want her to yeah. have her cake and, and be happy. And, <laughs> and every time she gets that at the end, they always go back to the fighting. And she's just like, I'm tired. And I'm like, I'm tired for you, girl. I'm like, oh God. So Monica was like the last major one I remember watching. Otherwise, it's just like, I keep seeing like, remnants of magical girl stuff in other series i feel like like you know series will have like a transformation sequence but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a magical girl show but they'll have like yeah. a nod to it or something like that or the same like themes of friendship and stuff like that like i watch a lot of sports anime like a lot of sports anime it's a problem but mm-hmm. like we're watching kuriko on netflix well re-watching because i watched it all on crunchyroll and the second season, they all get like superpowers. <laughs> it's like the the oh, way okay. I mean, it's not it's not <laughs> actual superpowers, but the way they animate them, like playing basketball, is very like Dragon Ball Z. Like we're on the court now. When I pass the ball, it looks like a fireball, and uh-huh. I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> like, and it's not even about that. It's just like a regular sports anime, or like we watched Skate mm-hmm. Infinity, like and like, and it's just like. You can't do that in real life. I, I guess it's fine for this. And it, it looks very, like, magical genre, like, beautiful, but on a skateboard. So. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that's not particularly a genre that I watch, but it's kind of fun to see, um, like, fans get excited about. Yeah. <laughs> someone's gonna like get on the skateboard and transform into their outfit and that never happens it could though and i would believe it i'd be like yeah i i, I feel you that's what we need is skateboarding magical girls next oh there's that i one. actually i really want like rollerblading magical girls yeah that would be awesome i got into card captor soccer very late i started mm-hmm. watching it last year because my wife wanted to watch it and i'd never actually seen it because mm-hmm it was super edited here, like very edited. Right. The way they advertised it, it made it look like she wasn't the main character. So I was like, I don't want to watch this. Yeah, yeah. And that so makes sense. We started watching it and like, you know, she's got the roller skates and it's so adorable, but also she gets a new outfit every episode. Yeah. I was like, I want to be able to do that in real life. Like every episode she has a new magical girl outfit. Yeah. Well, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, all of her outfits are made by her best friend, Tomoyo, right? Yeah, her friend makes all the outfits and records all the battles. And it was like a cute play on, like, getting your transformation outfit. And we were watching Mm -hmm. it, and I was like, does she seriously have a new outfit every episode? My wife's like, yeah, she does. Like, every episode is a different (laughs) outfit. And I was like, that's incredible. Like, oh my god. (laughs) It's so neat. And it was like a a cool way to like do the whole I feel like magical girl genre is kind of like a fashion thing too like the fashion in it is like Mm -hmm. like I feel like half of that could be on a catwalk yeah I mean Sailor Moon there was direct references to uh fashion of the time yeah I I remember and because when like Crystal was being made everybody was like I hope you have the fashion happening because that's very important to Sailor Moon (laughs) but they're right that was like a big core part of like their outfits and especially in Car Captor Sakura I was like impressed that she had a new outfit every time yeah like every every single fight there's a new look and they're like yeah every single one we got through I think Mm -hmm. half of the series and I was like I'm still impressed (laughs) that's amazing yeah 
Does your wife also watch uh, Magical Girls? Yes. She she expanded my collection because I had only known about Sailor Moon. And then when we met, she introduced me to Utsuna and Monica and Card Counter Sakura. I haven't forgiven her about Monica. <laughs> she didn't tell me how heartbreaking it was. She just let me watch. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. I, I reached a point where I like paused it and I like started yelling at her <laughs> because... <laughs> I was like, you didn't tell me all this would happen. And she's like, yeah, I know. Just go with it. (laughs) I definitely understand where she was coming from in that sense, because that's generally how people try to introduce the series, because that's how it was advertised. Uh It it was not advertised as being a dark series. So just kind of like let people get into it. Like, oh, do you like Magical Girls? Okay, here's Madoka. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you wouldn't necessarily realize. Yeah. That was, I think we marathoned it. I think we watched it in like one or two days. And <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And I was, I, after the third episode, I couldn't stop watching because I wanted to know what mm. happened. And then it just got of course. It just got worse and worse and worse. But also I, I was like, I kind of want to be able to write things like this. <laughs> like, that like you don't expect to be so like heavy and, and dark and then suddenly it's very heavy and very dark and I was like I kind of want to do that yeah I want to be the one who gets yelled at for making a series too dark <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, interesting <laughs> that kind of influence because that came out in 2011 yeah. uh, that definitely had a big influence on the um especially in the light novels of magical girls there's now like a fully like a subgenre of magical girls that is uh, like about a death system. Like that's what it's called. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a whole thing now for sure. That's interesting. Some of those have been adapted into animation, but not all yet. There's still a lot of books out there. So we'll see what happens. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like we can get right into talking about Magnifique Noir. So, um, Awesome. How did you get started with this and like what uh, I guess what was the process that made you think oh I want to write this book series? So this came about by complete accident uh, 2016 because my wife and I would go to conventions and we would um, have artist alley tables and sell like our crafts like she would sew different things and I would sketch on like wooden blocks and make coasters out of them. Mm-hmm. And we were getting ready for a convention and I like, instead of working on what I had to do, I just like got this idea to sketch this girl and I ended up sketching Galactic Purple on like oh. a little circular coaster, just like her face. And I sent the picture to my wife because she was at work and she was like, you should sketch more of those. So I sketched the other four, which is Cosmic Green, Radical Rainbow and Prism Pink. And then I like sketched one more like bigger one that was just like a person with white hair. And mm-hmm. so I was like, I'm going to take these to the convention and sell them, I guess. I don't know. So we took them and they sold like immediately. And I was like, oh, that was cool. And I thought that was going to be the end. Like I thought I was going to be done. And mm. we had a convention the weekend after. We live in Minnesota and the convention was in Utah. So that's like a... 18 hour drive and we actually oh drove to this convention because we used to drive and we had a friend with so we were just gonna like take turns and drive to this convention mm, sure. and on the way we were meeting with another group of friends and they also do artist alley and I started sketching like outfits for the girls just for fun like I was like whatever I'm just gonna sketch some outfits because I like magical girls why not and mm. on the way back from the convention since we had such a long drive, we just started plotting like different plot points that I could write about with Magical Girls because I already had these four characters. And I was like, okay, we have 18 hours, why not? So I grabbed my phone. (laughs) I started taking notes on like, you know, we started talking about, you know, the tropes that you usually find, like transformations and the names of the moves and like what they do and like are they in school do they have an advisor and stuff like that and we got home and my friends who we met up with at the con had drew like this really pretty fan art just of the girls based on like my sketches and Mm -hmm. I was like oh my god that's beautiful and they're like yeah you should make a whole series and I was like okay so 
I was like, what do I do with this print you just drew? And they were like, you could take it to cons to advertise it. And so I ended up writing like the first chapter and we made these little pamphlet books. I think they were like 10 pages long and we would bring them to conventions and like sell them for like five bucks and Mm. people started getting into it. And so we started like actually plotting a whole like universe and world and it just kind of spiraled after that. And I was like, this is the story I want to write now. Cause I think at the time, I think Hulu got all of Sailor Moon. So I was watching Sailor Moon at the same time. And I was just like, what if I do my own magic girl series where all the characters are, you know, black girls and are all like part of the queer spectrum. And, and we just mm-hmm. had their outfits based on like the colors of their flags. And it was just a bunch of like, what if, what if I did this thing? And so we we did a Kickstarter. And the mm-hmm. first time we did it, it actually didn't work out. And so oh. we ended up doing it again, like a couple months afterwards. And it worked very well because I was like, what if I make it like an illustrated novel? And so I just started asking people, how do I do this? Like, how do I get artists on board? How do I print this? And like the first time it failed, I didn't know like, pricing and how much is to charge for things where I can get things done and then like the second time around I actually had people like telling me what to do and like here's where you can go get it print it for a reasonable price so it's not super expensive and here's a formatter you can use and like here's an artist and then here's another artist and you can ask their rates and roll that into like your kickstarter campaign and we ended up figuring everything out it worked the second time and we ended up releasing the first book and initially it wasn't going to be like super serious like despite the fact that I was like I want to write like the dark series I didn't have that idea at the time it was just going to be like a really cute fun story and then my nephew was talking on Facebook because he's married now and he Mm -hmm. was saying that like his wife had like gotten harassed by a guy like she was trying to like walk into a store or something and a guy like followed her oh yeah yeah, and it was very much like a, you know, she ducked into the store and like was lucky enough that the guy behind the counter let her hang out there until this dude left. And he was just like, I'm so annoyed that women have to deal with this. And right. I was like, what if the monsters were the things that women have to deal with? So like mm-hmm. in the first book, uh, Cosmic Green, whose name is Bree, ends up dealing with a guy who follows her home. And turns into an actual monster like a literal monster from like an anime and and i think even she's like this is like an anime this is like crunchyroll what is this and the guy gets killed by like the magical girl which is galactic purple so like all the monsters ended up representing just like the crap we deal with as Mm -hmm. women and as like women of color as queer women and because i feel like with some of like the magical girl stuff it always ends up meaning something sure the fights end up meaning something or it's you know, it's kind of like teenage adolescence, but with magic and battles and transformation sequences and stuff yeah. like that. So I was like, I kind of want to write the same thing, except with like a bunch of Black girls just in the genre that I really love. And mm-hmm. like the magic girl genre was this thing that like, I've always loved it, but I didn't realize how much I loved it until like, I started writing the book and I was like, God, I really love the magical girl genre like so much. Like I love mm-hmm. it. And and so that's kind of like how it started. And then like the second book gets more into like the backstory of like, where did the monsters come from? And where does this group come from? Cause I always feel like, at least in like the first season of Sailor Moon, like the first chunk is just like, hey, we have powers and we had to fight. And then later it's like, okay, but what does this mean? <laughs> like, yeah. What do these powers mean? Where does it come from? And you get to find out, oh, you're reincarnated from like a moon princess. That's who you are. And the other girls are like soldiers. And you're like, what? <laughs> like, and, you know, it takes like a while to get to that point. So I kind of did that with this series. Like the first book is very much of, we don't have time to ask questions. We just have to go. Mm -hmm. And then the second book is like, okay, now we have time to ask questions. We should ask questions now. And Mm -hmm. so that's what inspired the team. And then there's like the advisor, Golden Blaze. And that's totally based on my mom. Because 
I was writing this book and I was saying magical girl and she was like are there any magical women like are there any adults and and I was like well that's a fantastic question yeah Yeah. she's like I want to be a magical girl (laughs) I'll I'll make an adult woman who's like the you know I used to do this and Mm -hmm. so now I'm gonna tell you how to do it like she's the advisor because the group existed before so it's just one of the old team members of the group and Mm -hmm. you know what would happen if Neo Queen Serenity actually got a season like a full season where she's like training like Chibi Usa and like some other newer generation Mm-hmm. that kind of happens in like shonen anime because like dragon ball z is very much a like it's about goku now it's about gohan and you know everybody has kids and those kids grow up and then they get to teach the new kids and i'm like yeah so that but with magical girls <laughs> yeah sure like that sometimes gets explored in more recent series but there are very few that are directly like mother and child that way like they're usually more like oh well there's a like a grandmother who was a magical girl before, but she doesn't oh, yeah. tell the kids. <laughs> <laughs> mm, she's like very cool with us, like doing stuff. Does she know that we're magical girls? Why is she? Yeah, you're right. A... Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, that's very common. I think the only one I can think of for sure recently is like magical girl. Ore has that where the main character Saki, her mother was a magical girl before her. So, oh wow. Yeah. And it's a very much a thing where it's like her mother has uh gotten too old, not like she's uh an old woman, but like her body can't take it anymore. So now she has to take oh. up the mantle. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fascinating. Cause like my my mom is always like all the characters are always like, you know, 14, 16. And so mm-hmm. she's like, I want some adults. And I was like, you got it. Here's an, here's an adult <laughs> woman. And like, I remember yeah. even with stuff like we were talking about Skate. And it's like, even that show has two characters, three, who are adults, who are, who mm. still take part in the sport, which I was like, usually it's just the children. And then the adults are like, hi, I'm your coach. I'm not actually doing the sport anymore. So I'm just going to tell you what to right. do. But this was, like, one of the series where it's, like, no, actually, I'm going to skate still. And so mm-hmm. when I did, like, this series, Blaze very much, like, she doesn't fight, but it's very mm-hmm. much like a, if I have to fight, I'm going to destroy you. Right. She's got all the experience. And, and, like, I told my mom, I'm, like, I feel like this is what would happen, like, when I was a kid and, like, something would happen. And she would be like, do you need me to take care of it? Because she'd be ready to go, like, like defend me mm-hmm. if she needed to. And I'm like, no, no, I got it. It's fine. But that's, like, <laughs> what Blaze is. She's, like, the, like, there's a part where, like, she actually does get to fight. And it's, like, an instant KO. And it's, like, oh, my God. And she's, like, well, yeah, yeah I, I've been doing this for a while. So I, I know how to go into battle. And, mm-hmm. and I have a lot of power because you know I'm an adult who's had this power for a while, so I'm just yeah. gonna go kill this monster and then I'm gonna go sit back down. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the only other thing that has adults actively working is Magical Girl Raising Project. That's another like darker series, but okay. that one, you know, it's like anyone can become a magical girl, even boys can become magical girls. Oh, cool! And then yeah, so like anyone at any age. They can look completely different in their magical girl form. That one has quite a few adult characters as well. And there's like a whole exploration of kind of like the history of the genre through that lens. Because like the different types of magical girls are definitely inspired by what those characters would have grown up with as magical girls. Because, you know, there are generations of magical girls before Sailor Moon, but there's definitely... Sailor Moon influence and there's like post Sailor Moon influence like Precure and stuff like that as well so I was trying to do that with this series because these girls are like present day and then there's a team from like 20 years ago so like in the present day when like there's a giant fight this city like can notify people immediately because we have social media now right like we didn't have those things back in like the old era of the girls but like in the new Mm -hmm. era it's like you know I think in the second book, there's a whole part where, like, after a giant fight, Dree's looking at social media, and she's like, oh, God, we're trending. Like, there's a hashtag, <laughs> and, like, and there's people, like, having discourse about, like, whether or not we should be out there fighting, and it's like, yeah, it's, when I wrote it at the time, it was, what, 2019, 2020? 
So it was like, yeah, that's that's exactly how it would happen. Like mm-hmm. we have Twitter now, so people are gonna be like tweeting pictures and making comments, and she's just like, oh lord. <laughs> With the old team, that wasn't a thing because that was that was so many years ago when the internet was barely here. Right. That was not something to think about, but that's something that they have to kind of deal with because because she was like oh my god I want to be a magical girl and now she's like oh god everybody is in my business because I'm a magical girl (laughs) and everybody well they don't know her identity but she gets to see like you know oh cosmic green's trending today that's yay (laughs) or like you go to class and there's people talking about it in the classroom because that that's what would happen so yeah hmm it's very interesting. Um, that makes a lot of sense, I think. Yeah, definitely a modern approach to <laughs> this situation. And I also noticed because um, the main girls are in college, which yeah. is a little different as well. So they're a little bit older than the, I guess, expected magical girl age, especially these days. It's usually like junior yeah. high school or maybe high school. So uh, why did you decide to make them a little older? I put them in college because like it came out when I was in college. It came out when I was 18. It was like my first time away from home and I got to like explore and discover new things. So I kind of wanted like the girls to have that same like freedom because like Bree's the most excited because she gets to leave home and she gets to be herself. And mm-hmm. even like Galactic Purple and Rattle Rainbow, they're all like different ages because I remember being fascinated because college felt like you felt kind of like adults, even if you really weren't an adult yet. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would have classes and like, I remember taking women's studies and I'd have women in a classroom who were like in their fifties and mm-hmm. I'm just like, you can do that. And they're like, yeah, it's college. <laughs> you, can <do> lot- <laughs> you can do a lot of things in college and having like that mix of like age groups and, and everything. I just... I was fascinated. So it's like, I kind of want that in this story where they're just like, oh, wow. Like I'm actually like out on my own for the first time. And I have to like, think about things I didn't think about before. Like, I still remember like my parents dropping me off because my college was six hours away from where I lived. And it's just like, okay, so how do I figure out dinner? Like, how do I figure out these little things that I never had to think about before? And so I kind of wanted that to happen in the story. And that's why I made them like, at least like 18 is Brie and uh, Mariana's ages. And they're also very different. Like Brie's not as mature as like Mariana <laughs> is, but Mariana yeah. like has her own reasons as to why she's the way she is. But I, I remember too, college was like, when I realized that we could all like different things and still be friends. Like, sure. They're all very much into different things. Like Mariana has no idea what Bree's talking about when she's talking about anime and video games and stuff. But like, she's like, I mean, I, that's fine. Like we can still be friends. It's totally cool. And like, you find mm-hmm. out that uh, Rattle Rainbow is, or Lonnie is very like geeky, but she's kind of like a fake geek. Mm-hmm. She's only geeky to get like, to pick up girls. Because she's like, <laughs> she's like, geeky girls are really cute. So I'm going to go like learn mm-hmm. about this geek stuff. And I felt like college let me explore like a range of characteristics for the characters, especially mm-hmm. because they end up living in the same place as Blaze. So it's like, she's kind of like the mom, but also not really because it's just like their advisor, but she's still kind of acting yeah. like the mom. So mm-hmm. I felt like having it in college also gave me like a little bit of freedom because I was always, I even told my wife, I was like, if I were a magical girl in like high school, I wouldn't be able to hide that from my parents, like at all. <laughs> I never understand how they can hide this from like their family. So my mother would figure it out in a second. Right. She would look at me and just be like, <laughs> something has changed. And so I was like, if they're in college and like some of them are away from home, it's fine. They don't have to deal with that. Sure. I also had like a whole thing where like, Blaze is like, tell your family that you're magical. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. And that was mostly because my mother would figure it out. But also, mm-hmm. she's like, in case anything happens, then I don't have to explain like, oh, by the way, your child's a magical warrior who got in that giant fight that you were stressed about the other day. So now they mm-hmm. get to decide like, who do they tell and should they tell everybody or just like yeah. certain people and, and things like that. So 
Yeah, I think that's why I picked college because I I felt more freedom when I was in college than when I was like in high school. Yeah, definitely. I was like, I kind of want that freedom, but also like this kind of undertone of like, I still kind of miss having people. I, I loved being away from home, but I still missed like, there's a guaranteed person in my space that will make me dinner and do my laundry and all this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. That's gone now. And, and I remember talking to my mom about it. She's like, the first week you were away in college, you called me every day. <laughs> for like no reason you would call and then suddenly as you got adjusted the phone calls like slowed down hmm. yeah that makes sense <laughs> what was the process like between the first book and the second book so the first book was released and like in my head I wanted to have the next book done the next year but mm-hmm. once the book was released I was like I'm taking a break I'm tired <laughs> Like it's, sure. it's a lot of work to like self-publish and like do all the advertising and everything. So it came out like October, 2017. And then mm-hmm. I think from there for like most of the 2018, like convention year, we would just bring the book and like sell it at conventions and stuff. And then around I think 2019, I did the second Kickstarter for the next book because mm-hmm. by then I like, I was like, okay, I'm ready to write again. But I have no idea how authors write books like every three months or something. I can't mm-hmm. do it. It's just too much work. <laughs> I have the whole thing outlined and figured out. So there's a whole outline done for the book. Right. I know what's happening for the series. So when I got to the second book, I was like, okay, we're going to take a break. And then I'm going to like write it. And I remember with the first book, while I was writing, I was doing the Kickstarter at the same time, like Kickstarter planning. So for the mm-hmm. second book, I was like, write the book first, get it done, and then plan the Kickstarter. <laughs> because planning a Kickstarter takes a lot of time. And so I was like, sure. make sure the book is done. And then while my wife was reading through it, I started planning the Kickstarter because I, I go through these periods where I'm like, I don't want to look at this anymore. Like, I, I still love the series and everything, but I was like, I can't look at it right now because I've been looking at it mm-hmm. for the past couple months and it just needs to be away from me for a little while so while she was reading it over I did the second kickstarter and that I feel went much better mostly because I had a better idea of what to do so I contacted a lot of the same artists and I figured out how to like you know by then we had like all these cool art hashtags on twitter like we had drawing while black and stuff like that so I'm like right I'm just gonna click on the hashtag and see what happens and ended up finding a lot of artists for like to contact for the book and they did art and everything Mm. and I was able to plan it better because I remember with the second book I would contact artists and they would be like how much time do I have before this is due and I'm like oh you have like six months (laughs) planning way way in advance because you know all sorts of things go wrong like you know printing takes longer than you think and and things like that and so Hmm. it's kind of I don't know if tragic is the right word, but like the second book came out at the beginning of 2020. And Mm -hmm. so we had one convention, which was in the beginning of January and it went pretty well. And so we were like, we're going to order a bunch of books to bring for our spring conventions and summer conventions. And like Mm -hmm. the first convention we had in the spring was the weekend everything shut down. Yeah. We were like in the car on the way to that convention. And then like halfway on the way, I looked at my phone and the convention announced that they had to like shut down. And we were like, okay, I guess we're turning around and going home. Yeah. And like we we had to stop for the night at a hotel and we got home. And so we just had all of these books that we were planning for like this giant 2020 launch. For the second book. For a while, I'd actually forgotten that I had a second book. (laughs) My brain was working on how to survive COVID. So like... Yeah, of course. People would be like, how can we support you? And I'm like, I have a book. (laughs) It was just like, I completely forgot. And Mm -hmm. sales were pretty well online. But it was just like, it was such like a blow that like... And it's nobody's fault. Like nobody predicted at all that this would be the thing that happened and yeah no one had a pandemic in their their (laughs) plans right (laughs) and like every author is in the same position and so it was like okay so they're just they're just here now but 
online people came online as fast as possible to like start supporting people. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like there's this outpouring of support from people who were like, oh my God, let's help. So the process for the second book was both easier and extremely difficult (laughs) because of COVID. Yeah. And so now that like things are slowly, slowly coming back to normal, I feel like I'm going to actually have a book launch like like maybe next year because mm-hmm. a lot of the conventions we have planned were either like we're going to be in 2022 or they are such big events that when they said we had an option to delay it we delayed it because we we're like oh god there is one in particular that has like hundreds of thousands of people that go and so we were like right. we'll wait we'll wait till next year and then mm-hmm. after that i feel like then we'll actually have the actual launch of the second book (laughs) like Mm -hmm. the actual convention launch because we had the one and that was all we had a lot of people were still into it which I think I was kind of like blown away by the amount of people who were like oh yeah I was looking forward to getting this so I'll just buy it online and I was like oh wow Mm. there were people planning on like picking this up so that was very like encouraging and yeah because the kickstarter was in 2019 over the summer So like the Mm. results of that was like very encouraging and just getting it all together and like doing it all over again. And I just feel like Mm -hmm. every time I plan another book in the series, I just, I'm a little bit smarter about how to do it Yeah, because it's like, I know I don't have to do it by myself. I can actually ask other people like, what should I do? Help. Like, how do I go Mm -hmm. about doing this? And it was nice to learn that there was like such a big sense of community where you're like self-publishing a thing so that was very nice yeah that's really good I know I mean for so many creators last year was a really big blow um, especially Mm -hmm. with indie creators in particular so it's really heartwarming to hear that you were able to get a good amount of support regardless yeah I got an agent last year like out of everything that happened I like I got an agent so we're actually working together to like attempt to get like a graphic novel out there but oh, great. it's also like a, like she's constantly reminding me, like, just say no things are backed up because the world kind of like stopped for a little bit. So, so <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. And I totally understand. And then I started my, ended up getting hired by the Mary Sue at the end of 2020, which was, so now I have like this other writing job. So now I have like working on the book, but also being a full-time writer in this other avenue going on so right which is interesting because I've never had a full-time writing job in my life so it's like oh my god this is like a whole new world of writing that I was not aware of until recently yeah absolutely it's a different type of mindset because I actually write every day and Mm -hmm. you know like two or three articles a day versus like when I'm planning a book I'm actually like I'm outlining and planning and plotting and discussing with my wife and figuring out chapters and then article writing is like right on the spot like right right Mm -hmm. now what you're thinking and what your thoughts are and now that I write full-time I used to in the beginning go through periods for like the weekend would hit and I'm like I don't want to do any writing period like I'm just done but you have to set aside time to work on like like I was working on a graphic novel pitch Mm -hmm. and I'm like when do I do that when I'm writing every day and so I've had to like adjust to like two different methods of writing because writing a pitch is way different. Like, and, and when my agent was like, write this pitch out, it was nice because she gave me the outline. She's like, here's what a pitch usually looks like. And I'm like, oh, cool. I had no idea. I'm used to like, when I pitch things at work, it's usually just me saying a sentence, which is like, can I write about this anime I watched over the weekend? And they're like, yes or no. And that's it. That's all the pitches. Mm -hmm. Versus like a book pitch, which is like, you know, tell us every chapter. I had to learn that like, you actually kind of have to spoil the book. Like you have to tell them everything that's going to happen. I want to say I'm used to doing the two different types of writing, but it's still like a process. But also I've gotten back into writing fanfic oh uh uh-huh my fun writing that I don't get paid to do and nobody's gonna like judge me for it or I mean if they do it's not like they're like my boss so it doesn't really matter so (laughs) yeah 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 you can ignore those (laughs) yeah I I can ignore those so it's like that that became like my fun writing and which reminded me how fun writing is which kind of like 
reignited me writing at work and writing like pitches and stuff like that for like books and stuff so Mm -hmm. yeah that's great so next year you're going to have the kind of like the I guess a relaunch of book two yeah (laughs) (laughs) so what are the plans after that with uh, three and four what how do you think it's going to go so three is about the old team like you finally get to learn about them oh great it's like magical girls but like two decades ago so I'm actually like I want to like design outfits that are from like what they would wear like the early 2000s or late 90s whatever decade it ends up being in yeah I don't remember so that gets to be like the like flashback here's the team that started it all that's Mm -hmm. like the third book and then the fourth book is kind of like the conclusion and like where you get to find out who the actual villain is. He's been sending the monsters and mm. the final arc, I guess. Yeah. What happens with the girls. And I don't have any plans for those characters after the fourth book, but I'm always open to like, to the like possibility of like my brain will come up with something else. Mm-hmm. My wife and I have done that. Like my wife and I actually have a like, like a urban fantasy series that we wrote and like, again got put on hold because of COVID but uh-huh. when we initially planted it was like way shorter than what it's turning out to be so and like like initially I think it was like only a couple books and then we outlined it and we we're like all right it's gonna be like seven books and then <laughs> one day she was like I thought of a plot with their children oh my god <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction I was like oh okay so even if like in my head for the magical girls the four books is like the end it's Mm -hmm. like but you know something happened in the writing process because things change while you write like the big plot twist that I planned was like in the middle of writing the first book like suddenly things changed in what I wanted to do so I like redid the outline so I'm, I'm very open to like something happening after the fourth book or like working on any of the like other ideas that are in my google docs because they're mm-hmm. my poor google docs is full of like other ideas sure so, that's the plan and like i felt kind of bad because like initially it was like last year was gonna be book two and then this year i can work on the third book right but then you know covid happened so it's like okay well last year's a wash <laughs> <laughs> so this year will be potentially another wash i don't know because we're still figuring things out right everybody understands like why yeah (laughs) like for the first time i probably have the most relatable reason as to why like creative things take longer Mm -hmm. i think everybody's like yeah i got it 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 makes perfect sense (laughs) yeah yeah exactly (laughs) obviously there's no way to know because we don't know what's going to be happening at all like this year next right but do you think that you will be like taking kind of similar approaches or like now that you have an agent, will your approach be different, especially with like conventions and stuff like that? Oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, because I have to get used to having an agent because when I I finished a graphic novel pitch and I sent it to her. And so I was like, what do I do now? Because usually it would just be me doing it like by myself. And like, it'd be like, so now you have to find like the publishers. Now you have to find like a convention to go to and things like that. And she was like, well, now it's my turn. Mm -hmm. She's like, this is what an agent does. You basically get to write. That is your job. You get to write (laughs) until I get back to you. And so I've sent her like my plans for the book and stuff. So it's kind of exciting thinking about like, there's this other person in my corner who like has access to things that I don't. So it's like now it can get like even further than I was getting because she's got access to like, you know, bigger publishers and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's basically like I would love for it to get to like a point where like I'm handing it to her and then she's like sending it off to like get seen more, which is basically what she's doing. So like I love Kickstarter, but if I don't have to use it, I would be perfectly okay with that. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Like, if it's just because, like, you know, she found, like, a bigger resource that just does everything, like, because when you're doing it by yourself, it's like, I have to think of, like, the cost of everything. So, like, printing Mm -hmm. and 
paying artists and editing and formatting and getting it to the conventions and things like that. So like with an agent, she's like, well, I figure all that out. So you can just chill. (laughs) (laughs) I am looking forward to the opportunity of that being the case with the book. Like I, I would love that wholeheartedly I would I would adore if that ends up being the case but it's still very new because I just got the agent like near the end of last year Mm -hmm. so it's just like oh right I don't have to email like a hundred places anymore yeah the way we used to do it it was like we would have a spreadsheet with like a list of like uh hundreds of publishers and just like email yeah and hope that they like responded but now it's like we don't have to do that anymore I'm, hmm. I'm hoping in the future it's like you know you don't have to do that anymore there's an agent now so. <laughs> and she's gonna she's gonna take the book places because i really do want like you know the book series and then like an animated series i want all of that stuff sure like a series and and like I, I told my mom, I was like, I know you don't watch anime and stuff, but it's just like, I would watch that. You don't have to worry about that. You... Mm-hmm. I feel like I want like silly little fandom things. Like I want like a section on like AO3, <laughs> like people writing fic. From sure. The... That would With be their, so. Like, That's like the characters. dream, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I want people to have ships that they have from the book and, like, mm-hmm. you know, watch parties and, like, fan theories and headcanons. It's like, I want all that stuff. I want to go to a con and, like, walk down Ernest Alley and see that people are drawing fan art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and then buy it immediately. <laughs> just, just so I can have it in my collection. Just yeah, like my, of course. My wall of fan art from other people. So. Yeah, you want to be that, like, the object of the same fandom that you feel towards other things yeah exactly i i would probably cry a lot but that it'll be happy tears i've had two people cosplay characters from the book oh that's so amazing i cried both times of (laughs) course that's so good one of the times my wife knew about it because the person doing the cosplay actually messaged her to get reference pictures (laughs) so we were at the con and the cosplayer just walked up to our table and oh I just God. stared and I just started crying. And my wife got a picture because I like stood up and was like, oh, my God. And then like yeah. the next day on the last day of the con, the other artists were like, you were the person who was crying yesterday. And like <laughs> when I explained why they were like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, it was there, there were a good reason why I was crying yesterday. Very big fandom dreams is what I have. Like, mm-hmm. That's my goal in life, I think. Yeah, that's really, really cool. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I definitely could see this story being something that could easily translate to both a graphic novel and also an animated series, for sure. It would be oh, super fun yay! to watch. Yeah. <laughs> That makes me happy. It's a classic Magical Girl series. Just seeing it from a new perspective, I think, is really important. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we're about time to get to my favorite question, which is, um, Brianna, do you have a magical persona for yourself? <laughs> All right. So I feel like, and at least, like, I've kind of embraced this by now, but in the book, Three Cosmic Green, she's out when she's in college but when mm-hmm. she goes back home she's not out anymore yeah. and that was me when I was 18 like when I was 18 in college I was out everybody knew I was queer and then when I'd go home I wasn't out anymore like mm-hmm. I wouldn't tell anybody so I used to say like you know Brie TV's at college and then like Brianna's at home and mm-hmm. Brie TV was the one who was out and super into anime and like super nerdy and things like that and like Brianna's was still nerdy too just not like queer or anything like that (laughs) and of course now that I'm older I don't care anymore like it's combined now but like I feel like my magical persona is still kind of like that college version of me who was like very out very proud very much writing thick but like that whole thing is I think is like was like my magical girl persona like yeah that, that was who it was and I think that's just me all the time now <laughs> like, I don't hide it anymore it's just out all the time like I write about anime for a living mm-hmm. although if I could have like the magical power I would have the power to like change my hair color in an instant 
Ooh, and like any um, color I want it. I want to color my hair so badly, but like, <laughs> and it's like it's just it's too much work, and I don't have time, and I don't yeah. know where to start. So if I could just like snap my fingers and like one day my hair is pink and one day my hair is purple and one mm-hmm. day my hair is green, that would be wonderful. And lots of poofy skirts. <laughs> as poofy as humanly possible would be what I would want. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I feel like my magical girl persona is still like the Brie Chibi part. Yeah, when I was reading it, like the, well, of course, her name is Brie. I, so I, I kind of guessed that could have been a connection, <laughs> but I didn't want to say, like, maybe it's just a, you know, an, a, an homage. Because she is very nerdy for sure. <laughs> She's very nerdy. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, all the girls are like parts of me because like Mariana is the one that like I want to go shopping and I'm gonna just take a bath for five hours I'm like yeah, yeah. That's me too we instituted like bath time in our house because that was like the only place where I couldn't do work because sure. I'm in a bathtub so <laughs> that was Mariana and then like Lonnie is very like out like she's very like unapologetically queer like she mm-hmm. she very much is and i'm like that's that part of me so they're all little parts of me but brie especially was like i think there's a part where she's like putting posters up in her dorm room and i'm like yeah i used to cut out pictures and like anime magazines and tape them to my closet because yeah. those are the only pictures i could find so i would just cut them out and tape them and mm-hmm. just make as much of the wall as anime as possible so <laughs> yeah all of the girls are like my magical girl persona in a way mm-hmm. it's just like now everybody can see it not that I was like hiding it at all so, <laughs> <laughs> mm. so Brie is the most obvious because she shares your name but it's not just her yeah it, it especially like the you know being scared to tell people that she was bisexual when she went home and I'm mm-hmm. like yeah for years nobody at home knew I mean my mom had a my mom knew because she knows everything <laughs> When I told her, she was just like, okay, cool. Like, she was like, I already figured it out. Mm-hmm. And I think after that, we, like, went and ate pizza and watched movies. So it was, like, the, the easiest coming out process in the universe. But That's fantastic, yeah. I purposely didn't tell other people. And I remember she was like, well, you could have told me. And I'm like, but once you tell one person, you start having to tell other people. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to take it well. So it's like, I just have to get ready and I have to tell her that like coming out is like constant, like you're doing it for almost the rest of your life, really. Yeah. Because it's like, I told her and then my dad and I didn't tell him till like years later, I told her. And then like, Mm -hmm. we had to tell my wife's parents and then, you know, every person you meet, like the people I've worked with and and stuff like that. It's like, I'm very loud about it on the internet. (laughs) Even then people miss it. Mm-hmm. I've had people who are like, why do you call yourself queer? And I'm like, because I am. <laughs> what? Like, I had, like, an article that went out, like, an interview about me. And someone's like, why did they call you queer in the article? And I'm like, because I'm bisexual. And they were like, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah. Like, it, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's so weird to me because I, I like, feel like that's one of the first things I could learn about you. Like, when I found first yeah. found you and followed you online. Yeah, but I definitely know that feel for sure. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, like I, I talk about my wife frequently, and yeah, even then, I, I I don't know if it's in my Twitter bio, but it might as well be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it's like a constant process you're doing forever, right? And and some people take it well, and some people don't, and like some people take it well and then change their mind and don't take it well that's what happened with my wife's parents oh. they 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 weren't okay with it then they were okay with it and then they weren't okay with it mm. and then like even as recently as like a month ago I found out some cousins of mine weren't cool with it either and I'm like I've been with my wife for 20 years so yeah it's too late. <laughs> like yeah also, like, also like, I'm like past the point of caring about what you think because mm-hmm. you know I'm gonna be like a 38 year old this year. So mm. I don't really care. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> just knowing that, it's like when I was writing Brie, I was like, man, saying that you're you're queer, especially at like a younger age, mm-hmm. is just like a lot to go through and like yeah. a lot to process. I did a panel once, and not just once, a couple times. We used to do like this LGBT panel at conventions, and I actually. 
I remember telling the kids in the panel, I was like, you guys are way further along than I ever was. Because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, we didn't talk about it at all. We didn't even have all the terms that we have now. Yeah. We had lesbian and gay. And that was basically it. We didn't really have anything else. <laughs> like, like mm-hmm. I didn't learn about bisexual until after I started dating my wife. So when I came out, I was like, oh, I'm lesbian. I like girls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I kind of still like boys. What does that mean? And the word people used was confused, not yeah. bisexual. <laughs> oh my so God. I was like, oh God, I'm not confused. So that can't, that can't be it. And then finally, years later, they were like, oh, there's this other word. I'm like, why did you just tell me that when I was 18? <laughs> like, why did I have to wait till I was like 25? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So yeah. I, I told them, I was like, you guys have a lot more terminology and I mean it's still hard but it's getting slightly better and Mm -hmm. also I feel like a lot of us who are older are just at least I'm very protective of like the younger generation of children absolutely (laughs) yeah I'm like no I want you guys to have it better than what I had yeah I I have to like be here for you guys and at least be like vocal enough so you know that there's like an adult person who's in your corner Mm. even if it's just like on the internet still it's still something man yeah yeah it's super it's super important Rihanna thank you so much for talking to me today about Magnificor and uh, other things so where can people find you and follow you online and how can they support your work so I am very active on Twitter free TV tweets on the Mary Sue I'm just Brianna Lawrence and that takes you to the page with all of my articles about various fandom things and whatnot and my wife and I have an Etsy shop, which is snowtigra.etsy.com. Mm-hmm. And those are the main places. Every day I'm on Twitter. I apologize for all the random stuff that is on my Twitter. That ranges <laughs> from like me shipping somebody or me like yelling about, well, currently Resident Evil Village because that's what my wife's playing. So there's mm-hmm. lots of Resident Evil yelling right now. Sure. So... On the Etsy shop, can people buy copies of the books? Yep. That's great. And then if people are outside of the U.S., where is the best place to buy? Because I know, well, for me, I bought uh, digital copies. Yeah. Should I also include the, I guess, the Amazon link as well for... Yeah, yeah. Amazon would be best because we used to ship outside the U.S., but now shipping has become a nightmare. Yep. (laughs) We learned that the hard way last year because some people from like outside the U.S. wanted to buy stuff and we were like, I really appreciate it, but it's not even shipping just to Canada, which actually isn't very far from Minnesota, was like, what? Yeah. My wife just came in to tell me that the ebooks are on Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) such a good wife oh my goodness (laughs) yeah amazon would have ebooks and physical as well because yeah shipping for us is it's very very like a mess yeah i don't know how long but yeah (laughs) great so i will include the links for both of those and um yeah that sounds like we're all set so thank you again for talking to me today thank you (laughs) yeah Yeah. this is awesome yeah, and I hope you have a good night. <laughs> yeah, you too. You struggles are listening. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it. And don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7. 
often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at ko-fi.com slash iuseshinos. With Kofi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical. I mean, I was lucky I had the space to make my coming out like a big event um, when I was oh, like wow. 14. <laughs> so at the time, my mom identified as bisexual. I would say like probably the word heteroromantic really works for her because things got really weird later on down the line when she was like, wait, you want to date girls? And I was like, yeah, what did you think I mean when I said I'm bisexual? <laughs> So that was interesting. But anyway, so she was starting to use that word for herself. So I was like, cool. I was starting to learn about it. And we started to go to um, like kind of queer spaces together. And so at the time I was like, I'm an ally to my mom. And then (laughs) over time, like I was starting to learn more and more. And I was like, wait, I like girls a lot. That's kind of what happens, I think. Yeah, I was like, wow, why is my Harry Potter fan fiction suddenly obsessed with Hermione? Like, what's going on? (laughs) So there was a lot of that. And so I was like, okay. And then there was going to be an event uh, after one of the things you went to. It was like a a Buddhist event for the group my mom is in. And they were like, okay, so uh, Ayumi, why don't you make a speech after about your time there at this conference? And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And then I decided on my own, I didn't tell anyone. I was like, I'm going to come out at this conference. (laughs) And it's like, so it's going to be a big thing. And it was like the best time because I was surrounded by like over a hundred queer adults. Oh, wow. And everyone was like, yeah it was so fun (laughs) that's the best that's amazing yeah oh my gosh yeah so i was very lucky